0: morning church family welcome to the lord's day we get to worship our lord today and this is a special lord's day in, in in this sense that we get to celebrate mothers today so happy mother's day everyone out there and uh i don't know children if you're with your parents let's give let's give your mama a thanks right now and give her a big hug and say thank you for being such a wonderful mother we do have a high, the highest of regards for motherhood here at Evergreen SGV and uh, and just want to thank all the mothers, all the faithful mothers out there and I just want to take time to just think about our own mothers. You know, we all have mothers and we've, uh, no matter when we're born, how we're born, a mother gave birth to us and so let's give thanks to our mothers and those mothers who have been taking care of us all our lives. But before we start our sermon today, we have a special, special presentation by Shannon Inouye, who's CEO of Options. Options is an unplanned pregnancy resource center. And she's going to give us a testimony of what God is doing through Options.
1: Hello, happy Mother's Day. I'm so honored to be able to speak to you on this very special day. My name is Shannon Inouye and I serve as the CEO of Options. Just a little bit about Options if you're unfamiliar. Our mission that Evergreen is a big part of is to provide support services to women with unplanned pregnancies in a compassionate and respectful environment. We dream of building a community that values and protects human life. Needless to say, since our work is all about pregnancy, Mother's Day is kind of a big deal for us. It is our joy to help moms go from fear in the midst of the unplanned to joy in the accepting. I want to share with you one of my favorite stories of just such a woman. When we got the call from Jamie, she did not schedule an appointment with us as we did not provide what she was looking for, an abortion appointment sooner than the one she already had scheduled. Of course, we couldn't provide her with that, but we shared with her what we could do, which was provide her with information on all her pregnancy options so she could make a decision with confidence. She decided to schedule an appointment. As she arrived and went through our options consultation. It really didn't seem like anything we shared impacted her. When she left, we were unsure what the outcome of her pregnancy would be. I remember thinking, Lord, did it even matter that she came in? Did it make a difference at all? We did the only thing left we knew we could do and prayed. We prayed that God would give her visions of her baby and who her baby would become. I don't remember praying anything like that before. Over the course of a week, we found out that God had answered our very specific prayer. Not only did she call us to tell us that she knew she couldn't go through with the abortion, but she also felt compelled to share with us that she was having dreams about her baby. My favorite part of this story, though, is actually when her baby was born. She had a beautiful baby girl, and we got to do a home visit to meet baby and bring gifts. While visiting, Jamie's own mother happened to be home. She shared beautiful words about how thankful she was that her daughter had come to us because she thought abortion was wrong. She thought it was so wrong, in fact, that she used to pray in front of the abortion clinic around the corner a few years ago. And then we realized she doesn't know she doesn't know what god did we got to share with her that the abortion clinic she used to pray in front of closed down and options is now in that building saving lives i love this story especially for today because i believe it shows god's heart for mothers that the prayers of a mother years before would become the place that would rescue her grandchild from abortion In the Bible, God gave motherhood as a blessing, as a redeeming, as a responding to a woman's cry. We believe motherhood is one of the greatest roles that can ever be given by God. And it's an honor to watch the women we serve at Options step into that calling. Mothers are a powerful force for the kingdom. I just wanna close with saying, for those of you who Mother's Day can be a difficult day, Maybe you've experienced the loss of motherhood, whether through miscarriage, infertility, or even abortion. I want you to know that God sees you. He loves you. And you can find comfort in him. 2 Corinthians 1, through 3-4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Happy Mother's
0: Day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Options through Options. Lord, thank you for Shannon and her team. Thank you for the leadership there. Lord, thank you for the lives that they're touching and encouraging Lord to turn to you, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will provide for their needs at Options. That you provide for their physical needs or financial needs. Father, I pray, Lord, that the gospel will be advanced. The kingdom of Christ will grow through options, Lord. Father, I pray for a special, uh, just grace, special comfort for those who actually gone through abortions, Lord. I pray for just a strong sense of your grace and forgiveness for those who've gone through this. And I pray, Lord, if anyone needs to ask for forgiveness, that they would do it and they will receive the full grace that you provide through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Father, we also pray that you will bless the mothers of our church family. And those who've mothered us, who may not even be part of our church family. We thank you for our mothers, Lord. We thank you for the mothers here at Evergreen SGV. I thank you for all the spiritual mothers that are here in abundance here at Evergreen SUV. So, Lord, I pray this message, this sermon, would give you honor and glory. And I pray, Lord, that the mothers of this church family, physical and spiritual, would be encouraged, Lord, through the preaching of your word. So thank you, Father. May your word be taught and preached by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray our hearts will just overflow for greater love for you, Lord, because you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful testimony uh, through Sister Shannon and Noah? And uh, Just the more we could hear from what, what the Lord's doing in our church, the more encouraged we'll be. And, uh, and today... We're going to hear about a testimony of, of mother and a grandmother, Lois and Eunice. We're going to be at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I'll be reading of the NASB. Timothy is towards the end of your Bible. Timothy is after First and Second Thessalonians. And just a little bit of a context before we read uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 Here is This is a letter, a very personal letter from Paul to Timothy. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to his spiritual son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy is his understudy. Timothy is his protege. Timothy has taken over as the leader uh, at Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And Timothy and Paul are kindred spirits. These two are like real life father and son. Paul even says, he served me like a son serves his father talking about timothy so there's a lot of love and affection between these two and paul is in essence writing this letter from prison and he would be executed soon so this is the last formal letter at least that's in the bible that's written and paul chose to write it to timothy his true son his beloved son in the faith and he basically he's exhorting timothy let's be faithful Let's be faithful with what the call that God has given you. And he's passing the mantle on from him to Timothy to take on, uh, take it to the next generation. Okay, so this is motivation that Paul's giving Timothy to be faithful so let's rise, I'll be at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, not 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I'm going to read 1 through 8 to give some more, or more context here, but we'll be focusing on chapter, uh, verse 5 of chapter 1 here. Let me read. God's word says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Verse 4, longing to see you even as I recall your tears. A lot of affection, a lot of love between these two. So that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. That it is in you as well. Verse 6. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, but of power and love and discipline. Verse 8. Therefore, here it is. Therefore, Timothy, all that. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and, or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering. It's a hard road that Timothy has, suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Let's pray briefly. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to love you more through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. The High Calling of Motherhood. This is the title of this sermon. We we are featuring the ministry of motherhood, and what a high calling! Theodore Roosevelt, the twenty-sixth president of the United States of America, said this: "When all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community." And occupies, if she only would realize it, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. Mothers. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She's more important by far, by far, he says, not even close, he says, than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. This is Theodore Roosevelt, our president, 26th president, talking about the value of mothers. And this might be contrary because he mentioned statesmen, businessmen, artists, scientists, you know, and you could tack on a bunch of other things uh, after that. But the world pushes transitory values such as money, position, power, fame, influence outside the home. These are the things that are celebrated in our world today. But our president understood the value of mothers. All right. And I just want us to, a- I just want to ask one question before we get into the text here more deeply. All right. What is, what is the essence of Christian motherhood all about? What is the essence of Christian motherhood all about? In other words, let me just put it to you this way. If God would grant you one wish as a mother for your children, what would you ask for? What would you ask for? Would you ask for that they would become, just like Theodore Roosevelt talked about, great statesmen, businessmen or women, a phenomenal artist that affects the culture, a scientist? goes to a prominent university, Would you? is that what you would ask for? Maybe the next Jeremy Lin, you know, to play in the NBA? Is that what you would ask for? Well, the Bible makes it very clear what the essence of Christian motherhood is about. It's about passing on a sincere faith. Passing on a sincere or genuine faith to the next generation. That is the essence of Christian motherhood. That's what this is all about. And this is what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to get right into the text here. And I pray that this text and message will be encouraging to the mothers, allow the children of the mothers to really appreciate what God's given us through our mothers. And this is what I'm hoping for. I know this is a crazy time and an unknown time as we've been in this quarantine era And I just wanted to take this time to encourage the mothers here. Okay, so let's go to our first point. To pass on a sincere faith, point number one, mothers must possess a sincere faith. All right? In other words, you have to own this faith. This faith has to own you for you to pass this faith on to the next generation. Let's look at verse 5 here. Of Timothy, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. Talking to Timothy, Paul says that Timothy had a sincere faith which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Lois, the grandmother, and Eunice had a sincere faith before Timothy did. So this is critical that you know that you are truly in Christ. Are you genuinely a Christian? Are you a saved woman? And Lois and Eunice were personal friends of Paul. Paul mentioned them, mentions them specifically in his personal letter to Timothy. And Paul had a hand in leading Lois and Eunice to Christ, I believe. And so how did, how did Lois and Eunice receive their faith? It's all in Acts 14. And I'm going to summarize this for us. In Acts 14, Paul goes on his first missionary journey. He goes out and he leaves Antioch and goes around. And he ends up in a city called Lystra. Lystra is in a city uh, in, in Turkey or Asia Minor, current-day Turkey. All right, that's where Timothy grew up. And, Tim, and Paul preached the gospel boldly, the Bible says. He preached the gospel. And many people were saved. And Lois and Eunice were probably some of the people that were saved through Paul's ministry on that first missionary journey. It would end up pretty difficult for Paul... Because after he gets done preaching and, and, and helping people come to know, uh, to know Christ as Lord and Savior, he gets stoned. They try to kill him. It was a tough road, and, and Los Unionists must have seen that. And they saw Paul get attacked and left for dead. They thought he was dead. But somehow Paul survived. He gets up. I could imagine him just dusting himself off. And he goes right back into the city to start preaching again. Perhaps all that conviction that they saw in Paul helped Lois and Eunice have a sincere faith. They saw Paul's sincere faith. And as Paul preached the powerful saving message of the gospel, perhaps that's what helped embed that sincere faith into Lois and Eunice. Now this word sincere, this is important. This gives us a lot of depth. So I'm going to get into the original language a little bit. This word sincere means, in the original language in the Greek, without hypocrisy. All right, it goes in a negative, without hypocrisy. So hypocrisy in that time was a, a stage term where actors would wear masks and they would perform on stage. Right? So basically a sincere faith is a genuine faith. No one's acting like a Christian. No one's pretending to be one way at church and, and, and another way at home. You are who you are constantly. Christ is genuinely in you. You actually trust in Christ. And I get it. For me too, as during this quarantine era, my children have seen the the good, the bad, and the ugly in me. All right, I've, I've had to repent and apologize and. And, and because I have more chances to be around. If we're around, I get it. So moms and dads, I get it. If you're constantly around your children, and they may, our children may have seen some of our low points, I'm there with you. In order to combat that hypocrisy, let's just be like Peter, as we learned last week. Let's learn to repent. Repent to the Lord, and perhaps repent to our people who we sinned against, and who we weren't perfect with. Hypocrisy is the one of the most damaging hurdles or obstacles to, to good discipleship that's why it's important that we possess a sincere or genuine faith in Christ right it starts with us is, is is Christ real in our hearts does he dominate our thoughts as we repent I think it's important now as we think about okay I want to lead my son or daughter to know Christ Jesus as my Lord I'm trying to pass on a sincere faith to them just like Los Eunice had a testimony I think it's important that we are able to share our testimony with our children have you shared your testimony how God saved you perhaps what you're like before what you trusted in before what what sins that you might have struggled in before and as age appropriateness allows, you're able to share more and more details of that and then how God saved you from that. I think that's important for us to be able to share our testimony with one another. We, I think it's important in the church family, but how much more in the home? Our family members should know our testimony, how Christ saved us. We know how Christ saved Lois Eunice, Acts 14. It's there, and I'm sure Timothy knew about that all right let's move on to the next point to pass on to pass on a sincere faith mothers love sacrificially this is what mothers do this is the very nature of motherhood it's all about sacrifice and as 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 theodore roosevelt talked about it much of the sacrifice is unknown sometimes your own children don't realize the sacrifices that you're making you know, certainly the media isn't going to play it up. Certainly they're not going to perhaps write books and write movies about this. These are just mundane, everyday sacrifices. I mean, just a mere fact of childbirth. Child labor and birth is, is, is a sacrifice. To go through that is hard. I've seen it and been part of it four times already. And it was a sacrifice for Sharla. Even if you've adopted children, it's a sacrifice. You, your whole lifestyle is upside down. It's different. For the better, but it's, it's still different. Freedoms are less. Income has to be more, uh, more calculated in how you spend things. Uh, uh, how you spend your time is different now. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Some, many mothers, mo, ma, most mothers in our church, have sacrificed personal and professional ambition to be mothers. You know, and th- these are real sacrifices that take place. Now let's take a look at Eunice. Who was Eunice? Who was Eunice? There isn't much written about Eunice, but there are clues here. There are clues. So let's turn to Acts 16. I'm just going to read uh, one verse here and then work my way to verse 2 and 3 to, to kind of draw some more insight out of Eunice. But Acts 16, this is Paul's second missionary journey. After his first missionary journey, he comes back to Judea, spends some time, and he goes back out and he goes, let's visit the churches that we established. So he makes sure, Paul makes sure to make a visit to Lystra. I'm sure there's some personal connections there with Lois and Eunice there, and he made some good friends. So Acts 16, verse 1 says this, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. There it is. This whole, Timothy's hometown, and the disciple was there named Timothy. He goes, wow, look at this young man. Timothy, I remember when you were this tall, when I, my last visit, maybe five years ago. Look at you're all grown up now. The son of a Jewish woman, this is Eunice, who was a believer, a Christian. Eunice was a Christian, a fellow sister in Christ. Jewish heritage, Jewish background follower of Christ, fellow was a believer, and then comma, my NASB has a comma, but his father was a Greek, his, but his father was a Greek, so we learned some very big pieces here, ethnic Jewish woman, culturally Jewish woman, spiritually in Christ, Christian woman, Now, we also learn something about her marriage. It says, but his father was a Greek. A lot of commentators, a lot of uh, scholars who dissect the Greek language believe the wording would suggest that Timothy's father, Eunice's husband, was probably deceased. So Eunice likely could have been a single mother during that time. Minimally, even if he was alive... He was a non-believer. So Eunice was a Christian, and if the husband was alive, a non-believer. So a lot of that burden of discipling Timothy fell on her shoulders and Lois's shoulder, grandmother. So she was a single mother, and, and probably, and she, Eunice deserves double honor for that. It, it, she did double the work on her own. And, and what was it like for widows in the Greco-Roman world? Difficult, I mean. Very difficult. It's difficult now. Back then, it was extremely difficult. Uh, Women who did not have a husband oftentimes begged for support, had to rely on relatives for financial support and financial covering. This could have been Eunice. This could have been Eunice. I believe the church probably came around her and supported her and helped her out. But Eunice was just emblematic of sacrificial love she put everything on hold to take care and raise up timothy in a godly manner and that's what mothers do mothers put themselves last this is what mothers oftentimes eat last mothers oftentimes go to bed last this is what mothers do sacrifice in my story i have an immigrant story and uh i was just thinking about my own mother um when she immigrated from Japan to America to Los Angeles, she worked as a seamstress in the garment district in downtown L.A. She described for hours and hours she'd hustle to put dresses and and jeans and pants together and stuff would be flying around. At the end of the day her hair was all white because all the fibers were flying around. But she wanted to make some more money to help our family out. So this is what she bought. She got a Conso sewing machine. Right? I started asking her, console sewing machine? I don't know about console sewing machines, but this thing has been around since I could ever remember. From Monterey Park to Arcadia, it's been around. And that sound, that motorized, it's powerful. This is not the typical sewing machine. And she said to me, she wanted a Singer sewing machine, but it would cost too much. So they could save up only to buy this machine. And what she did during After work, well, she'd come home, prepare dinner for the family. We'd eat, get everyone bathed. And then at night, I remember that sound, just that motor. Her pressing down on on the foot pedal and, and stitching away more. She was able to get some extra clients to do extra work. At night, in the weekends, I remember that sound. I remember her saying, hey, be careful. Don't put your finger in there. It's going to be rough. Don't put your finger in there. And this is, what, this is how my mom was. I remember her babysitting other people's children, and she'd say, yeah, this will help us get the groceries for this week. This is my mom. She would do all the grocery shopping. She'd do the savings. She'd, she'd help our family invest with the money that my dad earned through gardening. I mean, she wake up early, make our bento's or our lunches. This is what I remember. This is what I remember. I remember a story when I, you know I was a, kind of a, a difficult son, and and she reminds me of that. I, I used to like to jump off things, jump off the stairs, jump off the garage, jump off things, and jump onto things, and I did that. I remember her saying, "Don't jump off the stairs," and of course, I didn't listen. And I remember once I'm jumping off the stairs and landing on my head and cracking my head and blood was all over the place. I don't remember that that much, but I remember my head with a towel wrapped around my head, laying on her waist as, as we drove to Garfield Hospital to get my head stitched up. These are the things that stays with you. These are the things that I remember. Mothers love sacrificially. And as they nurture us, this is what builds intimacy with us, uh, boys and moms and girls and, and, and our moms. This is, this is how it's done. They pour everything into us. And oftentimes, especially for an immigrant mother, a lot of our hope, their hopes and dreams lie in their children. Right? That's, why, that's where all the sacrifice is done. But let's get back to Eunice here. Let's go to verse 2 of Acts here, uh, of, ch- uh, of chapter 16, Acts 16. I'm going to read along here. This is how Timothy ended up. And he was well, just talk about Timothy, verse 2. And he was well spoken of by the brethren. The Christians are, see, are, well, uh, are thinking highly of Timothy who were in Lystra and Iconium, surrounding city. Verse 3. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him. So Eunice raised a godly son. All the brotherhood was affirming this. Eunice, you did a good job. Your son loves the Lord. Your son is faithful. Your son has godly character. Everyone spoke well of Timothy. And I, said, I can't help but think how Eunice, if she was a, in particular a single mom, how, perhaps a lot of her hopes and dreams lied in Timothy. She just This is what she, who she lived for. This is who she invested in. And she just poured into Timothy, took care of Timothy's physical needs, took care of Timothy's emotional needs, taught Timothy to love the Lord. And then what happens in verse 3? Here comes Paul. He goes, Timothy, i got a calling for you. And what does Eunice do? Eunice sacrificially gives up Timothy to Paul and blesses him to go. How hard must it have been? I mean, Timothy could have been the source of financial support for Eunice and Lois. Timothy could have been companionship for Eunice. Timothy could have been security for Eunice. But this, to say, Paul, you could take him. What must have that been like? I mean, it reminds me of Hannah in the Old Testament at 1 Samuel chapter 1, how Hannah dedicated Samuel to the work of the Lord. And I believe Eunice's hope and dreams didn't rest in Timothy. Obviously, because if 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 if, if it did, if he would have, she would have held on to him like this. Eunice's hopes and dreams lied in the Lord. And this, where Eunice understood that Timothy belonged to the Lord. This is Timothy, Timothy is God's son, and she just had the privilege and stewardship to raise them up in a godly way. Wow. Do we think about our children in this way? Do we think about our children as God's children and not our own? And do we just simply, God has entrusted us to take care of them, to raise them up, to pass on a sincere faith? What if your children, our children, would to say, I want to be a missionary. I want to move to Japan and be a missionary. I want to move to China and be a missionary. I want to move to Africa and be a full-time missionary. Would you be a Eunice in this way? I'm not saying it would be easy. What if your son said, I want to be a pastor. I want to preach God's word. I want to preach I want to preach the word of God. Would you say, man, that's such a waste. Look at all the other opportunities you have here. Or would you be like Eunice and you know what? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that he would help or she would help advance the kingdom. Is that our attitude? I get it. It's hard because we put our heart and soul into raising our children. But really, they're God's children. We just get to take care of them. Let's move on to point number three. To pass on a sincere faith, mothers teach. Mothers teach. I'm going back to 2 Timothy here now. To to pass on a sincere faith, mothers teach. At the end, it says this, uh, verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am sure that it is in you as well. So this sincere faith was in Timothy. And mothers must teach. Mothers must basically parlay all that intimacy, all that nurturing that, we've been, that, they, that mothers have been pouring into their children, and parlay that with their genuine faith, that they have their sincere faith, so that when they speak and teach about the Lord, the same, same mouth that would comfort and bless the children is the same mouth that will speak forth God's word. This opens up the eyes of the children to see and the ears to open up to hear and to take you seriously when you teach about the Lord. That's why we're doing this. This is why you are nurturing. This is why you're loving. So that you have this influence to speak truth into the lives of the children. We have to know what we're competing for. We have to know what the essence of Christian motherhood is all about. This intimacy and the genuineness of faith absolutely undergirds your teaching. This is the point here. This is the point here. Turn to the right a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Look at what it says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. This points to Lois and Eunice's influence on Timothy's life. You, however, continue continuing the things you have learned, talking to Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So this, in verse 15 it says, and that from childhood, or... Another translation, since infancy, since you're a little baby, Timothy. From childhood, Paul wasn't there. Lois and Eunice were there since infancy. And they were teaching Timothy about the sacred writings, the Word of God. They had the Old Testament. They were teaching Timothy about God. Now, very specifically, they they were not just teaching Timothy about, about God for Timothy to be a good person, to be a respectful boy someday, to have uh, Timothy to have manners. But look what very specifically what verse fifteen talks about. And from childhood you have known the sacred writings. All right, here to get, here it is, moms, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Their teachings were leading him to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior. They were teaching him about the coming Messiah, Jesus, the Christ that will come someday. They were teaching Timothy about his great need for a Savior and how God loves us so much that he will send a Messiah someday. The wisdom that leads to salvation in the Savior, Christ Jesus Now, I want to be sympathetic here. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And perhaps you're sitting there right now thinking, I didn't grow up in a Christian home either. Or perhaps you're thinking, you know what? I didn't have mother who loved me sacrificially. Perhaps. Perhaps, you know, and I get it. This is an imperfect world and, and not everything's perfect. However, I want us to really think about who God has given us to be spiritual mothers and fathers, to to be. Think about it. Even Paul, he calls Timothy his beloved son. Paul was more likely single. He never had any physical children, but he had a ton of sons and daughters. Los and Eunice being daughters. Timothy was a son. He calls my beloved son. Let's be grateful for those who God has given us, God provides. Somehow you came to faith. Somehow you came to faith, brother and sister. And and, and somehow someone took the time to teach you about the saving message of Christ. Who is your spiritual mother? Who is your spiritual father? Let's thank God for these people. I mean, I'm grateful for our church school teachers. Thank you for putting on these Zoom meetings for the youth. Thank you for teaching them truth. Truth that leads them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being spiritual mothers and fathers to our youth and our children. Thank you for those who are mentoring other people in the life of our church who are acting as mothers and fathers to us. Thank you. Thank you for all the aunties are around this church who love well. So, when we talk about motherhood, we're not just talking about physical motherhood. We're talking about spiritual mothers as well. This is what life in the church is about. This is what this is about. I think uh, about Auntie Mitzi. Auntie Mitzi was probably the first. Blood relative that became a Christian in our family. Auntie Mitzi lived on the west side. Her family is related to my dad's side. And she was probably the first Christian. She married Uncle Joe, who loves the Lord, and both of them are with Jesus now in heaven. And I remember her praying for me, praying for me as I grew up as a boy, praying for my salvation, praying for my parents' salvation. Spiritual mother. I remember sisters in our church, like Tracy Yoshitake, who would be praying for me when I was acting like a teenager, okay? <laughs> Where my mind and heart were racing out, chasing after other things. She was praying for me, patient with me, tolerating me, and just loving on me. Spiritual mothers. I think of Layla Olson, who was wife to, who was wife to Pastor Mike Olson, my first church family, Pacific Heritage. Who was patient with me as I was an infant Christian joining the, the, the church family? I, I know I said some crazy things. I know I, was, I wasn't acting in the most loving ways at times, but was patient with me. I'm grateful for these sisters in my life. I've ha- I have spiritual mothers. You have spiritual mothers if you're in Christ. Let's thank God for these spiritual mothers. And I just want to finish up here. I hope this is, uh, is encouraging to the mothers, you know, who are currently mothers and, and raising young children or even mothers who have older children. I hope that this is encouraging to you sisters. I really do. I, this is the heart behind this is to honor God by preaching his word and to edify the mothers. You have the greatest task in our church family. And I want to encourage the spiritual mothers of our church family, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I want to kind of switch the focus now to the children, which mothers, you could be the spiritual children as well. I'm a spiritual children child. Point number four is mothers motivate. Mothers motivate. Motivation, as Pastor Victor talked about, is what drives us to wanting to do something. Encouragement inspires us, right? Energizes us, boosts us, fuels us. You know, if you're thinking that we're some kind of a a car, this is nitrous to our car that we get to go. It's fire in our bones, all right? This is what motivation is. I I, I don't know if you could tell, (laughs) but your pastor is a motivation junkie. I've always looked for motivation all my life, all my life is oftentimes it could be lonely and you need motivation. You need to carry people in your heart and your mind. People are the greatest fuel for me to be motivated, quite honestly. Christ is my greatest motivation, but God gives me people to fuel me. And um, the Christian life, you need motivation. You need motivation to be faithful in this Christian life. It's like a marathon, right? It's not just a quick 40-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a, the Christian life is going and going, and we need motivation. It has ups and downs in this Christian life. And I want to give you more detail to this context to this letter by Paul to Timothy. All right, Timothy is in over his head. He's a young pastor at a historic church in Ephesus, and he's got a lot of issues to deal with. One issue is that he's combating false teachers. And in Acts 20, it says that these false teachers will come up amongst the ranks. So these false teachers are from within the church. This is not from outside the door. So in Ephesus, he's dealing with people who are prominent in the church, who are false teachers. And Paul says, you handle these false teachers, Timothy. Handle them. Formidable. Opponents. Opponents. Timothy is left alone. Paul isn't with him. Paul's in prison. His hero, his idol, is in prison about to die. And Timothy's probably wondering if this could happen to my mentor. This is going to happen to me. Am I willing to suffer like this? Am I willing to? To suffer like this. And he's starting to, uh, to question his calling. In chapter one, Paul exhorts him to kindle afresh the gift that, that he has, a gift of preaching and pastoring. He says, Paul also exhorts him in chapter one of 2 Tim- Timothy to not be timid. Don't be a coward, Timothy. God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, he says, for the power and love and discipline. And then and Paul actually exhorts him to not be ashamed of Christ and of Paul. Perhaps Timothy was on the verge of defecting like Peter did like uh if I claim Jesus and Paul the same thing's going to happen to me. This is hard. And we would any of us would understand that this is a very hard situation that young Timothy's in. I get it. I get it. I get it. And so Paul is giving Timothy as much fuel to be faithful. To be faithful. This is it, brothers and sisters. We want to be faithful. This is why Paul brings up Lois and Eunice. All right, I want to back up here. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, verse 13. This is, kind of describes what's happening in Ephesus here. But evil men and imposters, not genuine. Remember, imposters, sincere faith, fake faith will proceed from bad to worse. It's going to get worse, Timothy. These false teachers, it's, it's going to get worse. They're fake and they're bad, but they're going to get even worse. Deceiving and being deceived, they're going to be trying to deceive the masses in, at Ephesus. And they're all, they can't help it. They're blinded by Satan. They're deceived. Right, Verse 14. We read this already. But I think there's a lot of uh, truth right here that we could glean here about motivation. You, Timothy, you, Christian, you right now sitting at home, evergreen, saint, evergreen, brother, sister, you. However, don't be like them. However, right, contrary to the evil men and imposters, however, you're supposed to be different. Continue in the things you have learned. Be faithful. Be faithful to what you have learned. Jesus is my Lord, and become convinced of. You've been convinced that the Bible is truth. You could rely on the scriptures, knowing from whom you have learned them. Look at that now. That's the exhortation is be true of what you have learned and the things you have been convinced of remembering remembering this is the motivation this is the gasoline here this is the fuel injection this is the nitrous that we need knowing from whom you have learned them remember who taught you these things timothy Remember, I taught you these things. Remember, you're my spiritual son. Remember, I poured into you. Remember, we shared a lot of laughs and a lot of tears together. Remember, you and I suffered together. Remember, I have chosen you. I believed in you. I've handpicked you to be my partner. Now, going back to Lois Eunice, in that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. Remember your grandmother and your mother. Do not let us down. Be faithful to Christ because you carry all of us with you to the next generation. Paul will die soon. By this time, Lois. Grandmother might have died already. She might have been in heaven. By this time, who knows, Eunice might have been dead. So our memories of, of those who invest in us come with us. As I'm preaching right now, believe it or not, I'm carrying a lot of people on my shoulders and my heart. I'm not up here alone. There's a lot of people that have invested into me who believed in me when there was nothing to, to believe in really. And so I, as, I, as I think about Timothy, he must have had this. his mind just flooded with this, so many wonderful memories. Perhaps Timothy is thinking back when he was a young child. Sitting on his mother's lap. And his mother would be singing songs of praise to him, with him. Perhaps Timothy will sit on Lois' lap and she will be praying and blessing this young grandson of his. Perhaps these are the memories that are flooding into Timothy's mind. Perhaps Timothy is is around the dinner table after eating and and Eunice is telling stories of David and Goliath. How God saved Israel through some shepherd boy named David. And this is giving him encouragement. Perhaps he remembers when Lois was talking about Moses parted the Red Sea and God delivered Israel out of slavery. And somehow these moms and grandma in Timothy's heart and mind were constantly pointing them, look how God will save us someday. God will send a savior someday. His name is Jesus. And when he found out it was Jesus, he was never the same. Boom. So perhaps Paul is drawing on every single motivational fiber and tying it up into a tight knot so that this man's heart is overflowing with motivation to be faithful to Christ. Be faithful, my brothers and sisters. Be faithful. Be faithful. God has invested in you and me. And God has used the most special people to invest in you and me. We're not doing this alone. You no longer just represent yourself. You represent everyone, Christ, and you represent everyone who's taking the time to invest in you and me. How could a man or woman walk away from the faith knowing that? And I'll just say this much, uh, just bringing it back to present times. I mean, it blesses me when our our own Timothy, our youngest, says, I love mommy's cooking. It blesses me when I see Charlotte praying for the children in bed. It does. You know why? Because I know these things stay with you for a lifetime. You don't forget these things. As a grown man, I'm a middle-aged man, these things don't leave you. You don't forget these things. You do not forget these things. You don't forget these things. Timothy was faithful. Timothy was faithful. Hebrews 13.23, if you want to reference it on your own, Hebrews 13.23 says that Timothy was released from prison. Evidently, he embraced the suffering, and he was faithful to the end. And I got a special word here. I, want, I got a special word to, any, uh, to all the faithful mothers out there, even dads, faithful dads. And you've been faith, you have a genuine faith. You've been sacrificially loving on your children. You've been teaching your children about salvation in Christ. And for whatever reason, your children don't believe. I want to encourage you. Just what Paul told Timothy. Be content in being faithful. The exhortation was Timothy to be faithful. Be content in being a faithful mother, faithful father. Continue to hold on to that sincere faith. Continue to love sacrificially. Continue to teach when God gives you the opportunity. Continue to pray that the Lord would open the hearts to know who Jesus is in their hearts. Lean into the kindness of God. To finish up here, why is it important to preach on motherhood? I had a motivation, I did, as a pastor to kind of encourage the moms, I did, but as I dug deeper into scriptures, it's much deeper than that. By preaching on motherhood, this gives us a fuller picture of how our God is and how much, how much he loves us. Isaiah sixty six thirteen 13 says that God comforts us as a mother. Matthew 23, 37, Jesus calls himself like a mother hen gathering her chicks or her babies. Motherhood is a picture of God's love and care for us. And Lois and Eunice represent that, how they loved on Timothy. But keep in mind, Lois and Eunice were sinners saved by grace. They were not perfect. But God is perfect. And God is the one who's loved us perfectly. He's the one that's nursed our, our, our scrapes and bumps in life. He's the one who feeds us and provides for our physical needs. He's the one that is teaching us through the word and through through other people that he sends our way and through life circumstances. He's the one that loved us sacrificially the most by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He's the one who deserves and is our greatest motivation to be faithful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to preach on... Motherhood, Lord, and I thank you. Ultimately, it, it points to you. This is part of who you are. You are the Father. However, Lord, you love us like a mother. You do care for us like your own children. You nurture us. You comfort us. You nurse us. Thank you for being this type of God to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you. I pray for the children who are not in the faith yet, that they will come to faith in your son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that you open the eyes of their hearts so they will not be darkened, that they would see your son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And I pray for these parents to be content in being faithful to you, Lord, Continue to be a faithful mother, faithful father. I pray, Lord, for, for mothers who may be weary and tired, I pray through the preaching of your word that they have more vigor. They have a renewed passion for what you have called them to do. I pray for encouragement for those who desire to be mothers. Those who have just been wed. Those who are thinking about it and dreaming about it someday. Those who have been trying a long time for whatever physical reason. Babies are not coming, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you prepare them for motherhood. I pray that you would implant in them a deeper and more genuine faith so that if and when children come, they'll be ready to parent their children well, to pass on a sincere faith. And I pray for the desires of their heart that they would be able to have children, either physically or through adoption, Lord. So, Father, I thank you, Lord. And I also pray for special comfort for those who lost their mothers recently in particular, within the last couple of years, Lord. Mother's Day is a blessing, but it also could be a challenging time. So, Father, I pray great memories fond, memories of fondness and just nurturing and love would be radiating in their hearts, and they would offer praise and thanks to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is good, and we want to love your son more.